This. This is, this is Diversified, Diversified Game. 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 A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. And AL. Focus more on execution and application and less on excuses. So, let the game begin. Hey, it's Kellen. And today's, you guys, we have a guest. I want you to get your pen and your pad, as well as checking in the description link, revthink.com. I have the founder of the company, Tim Thompson. Now, Tim is one of those special people that I met at Nappy in Miami 2020. And what makes him so special is that he's like a minister, a missionary. And you know what? That's like one of his former positions. And you never stop that in life. Even if you think you're done, you're always going to keep giving. But he's doing it in TV and film to show creators, to show production studios what they're missing. He's a consultant. So if you contact him, check out his invites, but also check out his invoice because, you know, anything good is worth paying for. Tim, welcome (laughs) to the show. Kellen, you're my you're my hype man, man. You're <laughs> so hired right now. I can't even tell you. Oh, thank you, thank you. But but it's all about you. And I'm gonna just give the audience. You are like a giver, and I really meant that. You just you give. You can just tell in the delivery. It's not just hey, come to my event, which at conference it conferences you can sometimes get but yeah. can you talk about your journey into film and what made you go from you know missionary to tv production and yeah consulting? sure well actually i started in tv i mean that's where i uh, actually you know left my college went to los angeles i really had nowhere to live I knew a woman who rented me a room and i wanted to be in tv production no matter what i was going to do it and uh, not knowing what else to do, I literally parked my car in downtown Burbank. I went door to door looking for a job. Anything that had the word production on the front door, I'd open the door and ask for a job. Um, and one of those doors that day was uh, Dick Clark Productions. And Dick Clark back in the day was doing all these live events. Um, one of them Golden Globes, as, as everyone knows, and the other is the American Music Awards. Um, so I didn't get a job on the big shows right away. I worked in the mailroom for just a few weeks. And then um, I walked into a guy's office and he was hiring and he offered me a job in the American Music Awards. And my, my career got started right there. Um, on the American Music Awards, the director of that show also directed the Oscars. So I went from the AMAs to the Oscars and then I got into live television, and I did that for a few years. Um, and that was really the journey. I, from, the very, from a childhood, from as early as my mom can remember, I wanted to be in TV production. And truly, with the idea that failure's no option, I just threw my feet into it and kept going and got in, involved. Um, it really was after a few years of um, working in, in live TV that I got hooked up with a group of people that did the visual effects and then the opening titles to films. And uh, in the late nineties, when we were doing these opening credits, one of the films we made was the movie seven and the opening credit sequence for seven really became like a pop culture phenomenon. And our company went from very small to very big, really um, in a very short time. 
and somebody had to figure out the pieces and parts of how to run a business. So I really just jumped into like the business management and operations of running a firm. Um, and that's kind of how my career got started. I, I did something that I loved. I was working with people that I loved. Um, I was applying myself in a way and kind of inventing the system as I went along. And that's the genesis of a career. It's when I left that job, quit the career and went to seminary that kind of this life gave birth because the thought of the people that I, I love and the, and the work that I love, not ditching that necessarily, but doing it in an intentional way and making life a priority and people's calling and purpose a priority became a bigger, more meaningful way of satisfying what I wanted to do. So leaving seminary is a combination of this ministry and this thought process and, and a bigger, more intentional cause of life. And then the people that I love uh, ministering to and then combining it together. And that's Rev Think. Wow. And I want to get into the seminary. Faith based is a, a big part of kind of why our company operates the way it does and why the things we do. But to go even to your, you know, you told your mom at childhood, I want to do TV production and that she supported you is a great thing because we see so many times, you know, I, I think sometimes people, whether they get support or they don't can kind of shape them. Some people can get more support than they need it. Were there any things, and I'm thinking for that parent right now listening, were there any things that she, any classes or any exposure that she gave you and what city were you in? Because sure. it's different if you're in LA versus being in Lubbock, Texas. Yeah, no. Well, I wasn't in Lubbock, Texas, but uh, Denver, Colorado. I mean, you know, not the entertainment hub of the planet. Um, yeah, I, yeah, growing up in Denver, really, I'm just, I mean, who isn't? Right? I was a, a child of the 70s and 80s. Television was the center <laughs> really? of almost everything. It's just what, what we did, right? Yeah. Um, all these great television shows on Thursday night. Um, and I, and I, it's really weird, but like, you just know you're going to do something sometimes, right? Like it's just inside of you and you have this thought of what you're going to be about, what it, <clears throat> the knowledge that you can accumulate about a certain topic or a certain industry. Um, your brain can kind of find the references faster for certain things. And, and that's just what entertainment was for me. My favorite show, I remember telling my mom this, um, I, my favorite show on TV was Entertainment Tonight, like that cheesy um, uh, catalog show, right? Yeah. Uh, magazine show. And my uh, and I remember sitting there with my mom one night, and she, you know she's um, you know making dinner, or whatever. And I just said to her like, "Hey, mom, can you can you just watch this show with me? I just want you to watch this show with me." And she probably sat there for five minutes, and she turned to me and she goes, "So." so what is this show about? Like, you know, kind of like, what's the purpose? Why do you want me to sit down with you? I'm like, mom, this is, this is exactly what I want to do. And I swear, I understand everything they're saying. And I think at that moment, she thought like, oh yeah, this kid's on fire. What am I going to do to stop him? So really, I think when I went off to college and I, and I told my parents, you know, I'm going to, they're going to pay for my bachelor's degree. And I'm saying, I'm going to get a degree in theater. You know, I'm going to get a degree in entertainment. Um, and my parents didn't say no. It's probably really the best um, support I've received from them. Because it was, they weren't going to hold me back. I think they had this thought and idea of like, if you're going to be successful, you have to take the tor steps towards success. And that is everything in life. And it's probably, as we all know, when someone comes and supports you, 
it gives you the absolute wings to accomplish where you're going to go. And those wings are everything. Now, you know, if your parents were Dave Ramsey, he, you know, <laughs> Dave talks about a theater degree and this and that. And so it yeah, yeah. could have been a different you know, <laughs> <I know>. conversation. <laughs> Dave would not have me go to college. Although this is the, this is college in the nineties. I think there might've been something relevant. College today is a little bit different. Um, you know, I just, I have five boys. Um, three of them are college age right now. Um, and the youngest, he's chosen to not go to school and just move to LA and get started. So there, that school curriculum thing or the push into school um, can be received and understood one way or another. But there's something about this industry where experience matters. And I, I, there's so many assets of what you can do and how it works that it's not just one specific career. If my kid wanted to be in, in medicine, or I have an, another boy in college that wants to be in engineering, like, yeah, you have to go to college. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just part of the game. Um, but I just think as a parent, there's so much more behind guiding young people's lives. And, and we gotta listen to who they are and, and what, what they're about and, and kind of let that come out. Especially if you, if you understand who God is and what God has for people, they have a calling and a purpose and you gotta, you gotta welcome that into life and, and birth that into life as much as you um, brought them into the world. Amen. Good or bad. Do you see like college could make a difference in a good or bad way? We know some of the most successful people have gone to college. They've dropped out small people like Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg who haven't really amounted to anything in life. I know they, poor they, kids. Yeah. <laughs> but then you see an entertainment, you know, I remember, decades ago decade ago more than that actually if i think about it and look at my hair and see some gray um (laughs) i i I can you know there's a difference between interviewing hill harper and interviewing little wayne prior to college little wayne after he went to college or someone you know seeing how people like nick cannon have evolved do you see that you know there could be a difference for at least the creator because some of them start so young to yeah. say, yeah, maybe you do need to go to college, depending on your environment too, which you've been exposed to. Could you see a, a difference made? Like, can you <laughs> tell this guy went to college or this girl didn't go to college because she missed a step? Well, um, yeah, n- number one, let's all recognize like continued edu- education is so important. And even, at, so I'm in my, <clears throat> in my young 50s, but I'm not, I haven't stopped learning. You, my bookshelf is, is just the books I'm reading now kind of a thing. So you, the idea of knowledge being readily available and pursuing it in every way possible, that's amazing. Um, for, for our life journey, we homeschooled our five boys. So we didn't put our kids into institutional learning in their younger years, and, but two out of three of them so far have gone off to college. So clearly we believe in some sense of structure and idea of education. Um, but for each one of us, what we really need is the pursuit of knowledge. And college and or formal learning is really just one tool in the toolbox. I also believe in mentorship. I think personal learning, um, kind of like what you did at Nappy. How did you not learn by just being absorbed into that environment, uh, meeting the individuals, talking to people? And it's, it's not a formal academic learning, but man, you absorb things very fast in some environments. So the opportunities that life gives you, you just take advantage of them in, in no matter what format they are. And then if there's something specific, um, you know, as we were home educating our five boys, 
I also went off to graduate school at seminary and did very formal educational learning at the same time. So clearly there's opportunities and needs for all types of learning, um, but just don't stop. Really, really, really don't stop. And a lot of what I try to do at RevThink is take the creative person and give them structures and ways of thinking of what their experience is. And almost uh, some of my clients would say like, I like to break them. Like I take, I deconstruct who they are to give them kind of an edge of other things they can pursue and other pieces of knowledge to go after. Um, so that's some of my, our, my entire like life MO is the pursuit of knowledge and encouragement of knowledge. And, and honestly, all, all knowledge is good. Some colleges, some parts of college is total debauchery, but the other stuff is pretty good in the education side of it. I love that to break them. We tell clients, um, we have to break you down to build you up in some sense. And you talk about that in your, you know, in your um, speech at Nappy, how f creators need to be able to pivot. And that's something that a lot of times, depend, especially if they're at a level where they're making a full-time income, they're like, I need to pivot for what? We deal with a lot of YouTubers and um, some Instagram folks. And it's like, we're stuck in our ways because that's all we know because we only know sometimes one platform. And sometimes they're like, you know, I got lucky 10 years ago and now I'm getting paid. But yeah. Can you talk about that? why creators, for the creators listening? Because you heard a lot of creators, and God bless you, because there were some questions that you were asked, you know, at the, at the thing. I'm like, gosh, they, this, like, is this your first time doing business? Like, there were creators that, you know, one person, and I don't, I don't want to put anyone on blast, but I will say the scenario. He's like, I have nothing, but he's, he told me personally, and he talked to you. You might not, you might not know who he is, but he was like, you know, money's not an option because I come from a career field that I made millions, but yeah. I don't even have a sizzle. I don't have a trailer. I don't have anything I can show you that's protected. And, mm -hmm. and so can you talk about that pivoting yeah. and, and even how creators need to prepare before they, you know, contact RevThink? Oh, oh yeah, sure. <clears throat> so, you know, just to set the stage a little bit, you know, the, the pursuit of NAPI, and, and NAPI is the National Association of Television Production Executives, right? It's really long, long words, trying to kind of get the idea of like people that make TV shows. Um, my personal pursuit of NAPI, or, or in my, and then my partnership with NAPI, is because the people that I work with on a daily basis want to make content. And some of them are already content makers. Patrick Jager, who talked with me, um, was on stage with me, was, is one of the people I work with. <clears throat> but a lot of production company owners or creative people that are my clients want to understand and get involved in a content making game. So again, just go back to the, the previous principle of like the continuation of life education. I realized I should learn what this stuff is so that when my clients ask me, I have some sense of where to go and advice to give them. Um, and that started my own pursuit into these kind of bigger content questions of how do you actually make a TV show, get it on air? What does a deal look like? Um, how do you need to be prepared? How do you pitch a show? All those kind of initial questions were things I needed to learn myself at some point. Um, so the beginning of that journey, I remember what it's like. And so when I, when I put myself out there at a, at a show like that, there are people at all stages of that journey, but really those initial questions, as we know, like there's no 
dumb question or a wrong place to start. Um, but what you need to do is understand what it takes to qualify you into, into the room. And uh, that pursuit of that and hunger for that is really a great place to start because it's hard work and sometimes money to get there. Um, so that is a basis. Um, what I've also learned is that in, like, when we talk about creative people, um, the way I've come to realize it is that there's something trapped inside, right? There's this thought or idea or, or design or you know, something creative that's stuck inside of them and it has to come out. It just has to. Um, some of that's inspired by a client giving you a creative challenge and you have to execute a, a graphic or you know, some kind of image, a commercial spot or be a director and create some storyboards. All that is something that you're trying to get out of you and use the inspiration that you know inside of you that you can get it done. Um, but the other part of being creative is actually delivering the goods. And that's method, routine, practice, and purpose. So when you can get out there and get those, that momentum started, then there's a format and a, and a way of actually delivering and communicating your idea. Um, and I find those two words kind of clash. Uh, are those two worlds kind of like they, they, they have a struggle with each other because one is always looking for inspiration, but you have kind of the term I use is uh, you need to have some hooks to hang your hat on. Like there has to be something, a bucket out there. So when you're inspired, you can put it somewhere and then let that be, become the roadmap for what, what's going on. And in making a TV show, um, something like developing a pitch is such a basic place to create those hooks. So then you know where you're, what you're aiming for. And then as you're inspired, you can start filling in that pitch deck. And if you, there's things you don't know inside of the pitch deck, then you know what to go educate yourself on to fill in those gaps and get it done. So that's why we love to talk about the pitch. And that's what that session was with you guys is, you know, how do you get a TV show started? What's the initial, you know, phase of getting that done? And then how do you communicate that? Um, and then, you know, now we also reverse engineer it. Like what's the final result you're looking for and why start with your idea, the what of your content? Why don't you start with, you know, who's watching TV and who's going to buy it and then make them something that they're going to buy instead of make something and hope someday, you know, with a shot in the dark that someone's going to come along and buy it. And, and, and so that, you know, I, and I think a lot of the creators say when they, after leaving that, they're like, okay, the next steps, which I know because I'm, well, once you're saying the stuff online, I'm putting it in and I'm actually getting, you know, while you're on stage, I'm getting, Hey, if you want to do pitch day, yeah. um, and that's the next step for creatives. I think they want it sometimes so instantly. And I get it. I like to create, I, I've put documentaries or books or whatever together. I like to create, but I also know I'm kind of more valuable helping the creatives be creative to say, this is how the structures, whatever that business, whatever the genre, um, do you find that when you say, okay, come do pitch day, it's $500 to do pitch day, that yeah. some creatives are like, no, I don't want to pitch again. I've pitched to you already. I'm ready <laughs> for you to take my thing to the studio, let them write me a check and give me the director's chair with the beret and, you know, my Ashcock so I can do what I came here to do. Do you find yeah. that, that, you know, they're willing to have the delayed gratification to learn? Or do they want more of the instant gratification? Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's a good question. 
Um, clearly, when you do something like like what we're doing for Pitch Day, um, that's it's really a you know for us we try to look for opportunities for people to express or um, what they're trying to accomplish. So the fact that there is a deadline, the fact that there are people to pitch to, really kind of gets all that stuff together as good as you can in the moment. Um, but also like a little bit of a safety net. So you're not going to go walk into the pitch right in the morning. <clears throat> the idea is like bring the pitch with you to the degree you have it done and let's clean it up. So in a few hours when you stand in the room and pitching somebody and that person is a television professional, they buy TV shows all the time. You're pitching somebody in the real world that would buy your idea. Um, but also that person has signed up to give you feedback. So it's not, hey, this is a great idea, I'm, I'm gonna buy it, but also would say, hey, let me just tell you what else, what next to do, what are the next steps for you? Um, so pitch day for us is really kind of a funnel for specific people in that development stage. Um, you wanna have homework done before you spend $500 on a day, right? You don't wanna just walk into it with a blank slate and hope you have a product done at the end of the day. There's very little you can get done in life in a few hours. Um, but also to think that you're totally ready is foolish too. So pride comes before the fall, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want to think that you have it all settled and never have practiced in front of anyone. You want to get somewhere where this person that you're pitching to or the group that you're talking with, they're ready to listen to you no matter where you are and make you stronger. So then when the time comes to really be in the room, your practice you have the angle, you have some thoughts, people have asked you questions, and you're not caught off guard in, in your, in your like final destination. Um, so that's what that, that mechanism is about. Um, but I'm with you, Kellen. Like if you're there, it is set up for people. And if you don't think you're, if you think you're beyond that, please don't show up. And if you're not ready for it, get ready or, or don't waste your money. Cause it's, it's not going to help you if, if you're not prepared in the right way. And if, you don't think you're going to get something out of it. You're probably not as in, as in many, many things in life. Yes. And, and to think that, you know, $500 to have this somewhat audition, I mean, what people pay in auditions just to get that is okay. way more than that. And $500 cause someone will say, Hey, that's kind of an elitist thing. You're saying $500. No, I still pick up pennies right here, even though they're not even, worth <laughs> but, uh, but it, yeah. it's, it's, it's the fact that $500 to get critiqued by professionals is a drop in the bucket. And, 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 you know, you talked about how, you know, you could um, use your own money or not. And I'm sure you have creators all the time. Greatest ideas have no money. So that's why they're coming to you. Can you talk about, because I know there's conferences just to get money. And a lot of, you know, folks, I think came to Nappy to look for the money, but there's conferences if you have your sizzle. You look at Duck Dynasty and every other TV show that you see, there's conferences that investors will say, hey, that, that's for me or whatnot, like the auctioner. Yeah. But can you talk about that process for someone? And I'm thinking about the 16 year old right now who says, I've put something really cool together on YouTube or whatnot, or maybe it's the 36 year old or 46 year old, but I don't have the money. How does Rev think, you know, work work that person down the line and say okay all you need is the money you got a beautiful product this is what we could do for you sure um yeah so um our mechanism that we put in place we, we call it reverse engineering content right the thought is is that if, if there's a buyer out there looking for something and you're a creator really your ability to come up with 
the right idea, come up with the right content to fit that need is much easier because that's what you do. You're always on the spot thinking of something, creative something, creating something. So look for the market first. Look where the buyers are. What is needed and, and what is the marketplace you know, interested in, in, in propositioning? Once you know that, then you know where the money is. And if you know where the money is and people like your idea, they'll finance you. You don't have to finance yourself. So it's finding that niche, finding that purpose and, and, and piece that the market is looking for and then making it for them. Most of my clients already do that because they work in the commercial space. So there's an agency out there that is looking for you know, a, a, a female director that does um, action sports um, genre uh, for a, TV, for, you know, a sneak, sneaker brand of some sort. Um, if you've already practiced in that field and you have some sort of uh, experience in that field, when the agency is out there looking, you proposition yourself and when it's a match, they buy you. And you don't, you don't spend any money. You, you might have to show your experience and, and, and prove that you have um, you know, some ability to get something done. But when the buyer's buying, no matter what you're selling, they'll take it, right? Mm -hmm. um, so being in the marketplace, understanding the marketplace and propositioning yourself in the marketplace is the first step to making content. Really from the marketplace, it should inspire you where the money comes from. So then who is paying? Is that advertisers? Is that influencers? Is that nonprofits? Is that a cause or an agenda that needs your, your ability? And once you have that second part, so the, so the why do it and then how it's going to be distributed, then you decide what you're going to make. Um, but in this is, and the reason why that's reverse engineer is most people say, I know what I want to make. And now I'm going to circle the planet four times trying to find the buyer for me. And because I love my idea so much, the first circle, no one wanted to buy it. So then I double down. I spend even more money trying to prove my idea is good. And then they circle the planet like, no, that didn't work. So then I'm going to make even more money to prove it. And the circle the planet a third time. And it's such, it's such a foolish game because a creative person could come up with 300 ideas with no, you know, with little effort instead of having one idea and all that effort trying to get that one idea out there. So we're just trying to reverse engineer the thought process so that if you actually want to be in the TV business, you can sell a show into the marketplace that way. I think that I can't remember what your question was, but I think I nailed it. At least I inspired that return. Yeah, home. no, no, no. You, you, you got it. Um, you know, because it's all about the process and you know trying to find you know that money. And you say what you do because, and that's that's great because if you just said, oh yeah, we can go find you money, and all we'll do is pitch you until you're doing, we're doing what you've been trying to do. It can get a little um, disingenuous. Because yeah. I like leaving Nappy, what, the reason I went, and I've wanted to go for years, but I've had a wife um, go through, you know, from med school to residency, and now she's in fellowship, and she almost kicked me out saying, this is the conference you always want to go. It never fits. We have no family here in Seattle. So <laughs> I always have to fly family in when I need to take these type of trips. But this time, we have a different type of deal because of her schedule changes. She doesn't have to work 80, hour, 80 hour, hours a week anymore. Yeah. She only has to work 60, um, <laughs> you know, to make less than she made as a nurse. But that's a whole yeah, other right. <laughs> um, But, healthcare. yeah, healthcare. Everybody, every physician that you know. <laughs> but but the, the fact that I have creators, and I just had one three days ago, 
And I had one, my wife told me last night, because it's a friend of hers, hey, we have a film. One of them beautifully done out of Kenya, a guy we met out of Kenya. Actually. Oh, yeah, cool. He sends his thing, beautiful trailer. And I'm like, how much do you want for it? And he's like, uh, I think, I, I say exclusive rights. He's like, well, would 100,000 US be all right? I said, you got bombs and all type of stuff going off. I said, your price is your price. One thing, and, and you and I briefly talked about it in Miami was, I have an issue my whole life with clients not understanding the value of what things cost. So whenever yeah. someone says $500, I'm like, if you don't jump on that, you're not ready anyway. But $100,000 in film is a little amount of money. Sure, I know we can sell that, but let's talk about what you want to do with that money. Well, I want to make a new film. And maybe in Kenya, that type of money goes further. But yeah. I'm, you know, I, but he wasn't ready with his copyright. He's like, well, my copyright's in Kenya. I said, there's no international copyright. So maybe you need our help. Maybe you can do it yourself, whatever. But people, sure. you know, some creators will sell themselves so short. And so they need a rev think that's so, I mean, you've done TV, folks. They've yeah. sold shows. I didn't want him to go down the list of shows because that's something you can get if you're really serious and you can say, hey, send us your deck, send us your one sheet, whatever. And you can see the list because I don't like the grandiose, oh, yes, and I got my third Emmy at the age of 21. <laughs> We're not doing all that. You know, listen, if this is for you, if you have an ear to hear, you're going to hear it. But yeah. The fact that you're able to help them with the idea and the money, yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing because none of us can do all this alone. I mean, I'm I'm not a one man show. People see that, but behind the yeah. scenes there's so many things. <laughs> what have you found in doing this business was the hardest part getting in? Because you left TV to do seminary to come back to TV. So yeah. how did you jump back in? Oh, well, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, you know, so again, like think about how basic my journey was. I, I mean, parking a car on a street and, and walking a few miles. And, and Kellen, I can tell you, it, it was, it's a very random, I didn't even have a resume. So I was walking indoors just asking for a job. It, it's probably the most foolish way to get started in any career, no matter what. Um, but the, when life gives you opportunities, you just take it, right? And really, the think about how many people rejected me that day because I wasn't prepared. I, I, I wasn't willing to, to do the initial steps. I didn't go through traditional pipelines. But I knew I was going to accomplish something, and I wasn't going to stop until I got done, right? So that, that heart and that ability to just understand um, the pursuit of, you know, of your career um, really is a genuine intentional way of, of getting something started. And most of us, no matter what industry we're in, but most of us also recognize that in ourselves. So I think there's something to relate in community when someone's in pursuit of something. And because we all have a start, when we move forward in our career or move forward in life, we start recognizing others that have the same intention. Um, and that's how I think the human connectivity is, is, is built that way. Um, but the pursuit of my career was something different. So getting started and just jumping in, that's one thing. The thought that I had more to contribute is, a, is kind of a different stage of, of my career. And that pursuit of what I call like your career maturity really started making me ask different questions. Um, and I didn't know what those questions and answers were when I was doing it, but I just knew there was more to give. And I didn't like the person I was becoming 
Um, I didn't like being um, really a manipulator. I was a pretty good negotiator, but it, it wasn't always win-win. Um, the, the thoughts or values that I had were not going to really be great for my wife and my family. Uh, what I was giving up to care for my family and care for my life in order to pursue fame was absolute silliness. And, and the longevity of, of my life was going to take over more than the small part of that was going to be a, um, my creative career. So, um, so what I've discovered is now what I call the four stages of a creative career. And, that, and the pursuit of a career greater than that one project really allows you to move beyond the simple, hey, how do I get this one thing done? Hey, this is the most important thing to me. I already spent the money, I have to recoup it, and just chase desperately for someone instead of contributing forward into, into your career. Finding purpose and intention that helps build up a marketplace. Um, collaborating with others that and making it intentional so that um, people grow and people's investments and careers grow together. It's all of that that I believe has launched the second part of my career is understanding that and then building up a community of people around, the, around this industry um, and knowing that it's available is really what RevThink has become known for, that community building and cross-pollination. Um, so, yeah, go ahead. And, and, and so, that, no, no, no. And so that's great. So that first client coming from, you know, the ministry and then saying, I'm going to go grab my first client and I need this yeah. client to be able to pay me X amount of dollars so I can keep this going. How was that transition? Did you have to, oh, part, you know, yeah. It was brilliant. My first client was going bankrupt. Oh. So um, not only did I not make money, I was giving her money. I was buying groceries. I gave her my car. <laughs> I mean, it really was You're like still in ministry. It was, it was, well, I don't know how this works, but this is not the consultancy I want to get into. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a person in need. And when you're, when you're going to start a part of your business and career to help people in need, she needed something and no one was going to help her. She was going bankrupt. So, you, you know, to jump into it, but here's what I knew in that one small situation is I've never done this before. And I'd rather learn it in this situation than learn it with myself going bankrupt. So I ran towards the problem to understand what the problem is. And man, I learned a lot. I learned a lot really fast. Um, but I also, because I had some career and I was part of that, the, the title sequence for seven wasn't small. So there was some influence made. So when I kind of came back into the career, I could just go visit people and find out what problems they had. And, and my first step really was freelance problem solver is what my first consultancy steps were. And many of my friends at that point had already started production companies. So I was going to production company owners asking them what problems they had. And that was really an initial structure to get things started. Um, yeah, things were, I didn't know how to price myself and um, you know, I, I, I worked harder than I got paid for, um, but that didn't matter. I was in pursuit of the thing I was going to do. Um, it, what, I, what I think I've gotten on the other side of a good 10 years now is that um, because that, those, that initial stuff was really a listening stage, right? So I went in and listened to what was needed or heard what was op opportunities there were, and then I applied myself to it. Um, you can see how that part of my career shaped the television part of it, where 
I did just did it again. Hey, if I go into marketplace and listen to what the marketplace needs, then I can come up with a TV show that works. Um, Patrick likes to talk about how, you know, he, he launched Fixer Upper with Chip and Joanna. And that was a, a network looking for something. They wanted another duck dynasty. And if you think about, oh no, it was on Property Brothers, I think it was. And you think about like what they were specifically looking for, which is, you know, a, a sibling group. And they had very, very specific rules on what they're looking for. What Patrick heard was, oh, I know what you really need. No matter what you're asking for, I know what you really need. And then when he met Chip and Joanna, he was able to pitch them into the, as a solution because it actually solved the problem the network had, regardless of what parameters they had around it. And that pitch of reverse engineering, understanding the real problem, and then giving them an actual solution is how you know, many problems should be solved. But in content making, that's the golden, that's the goose laying the golden egg, right? We want to get to the other side of that so that you can get into the solution-based mechanism of your career. For the 14-year-old now who's listening and saying, TV, yes, I love watching it. I yeah. love, that's all I want to do in life. So this sounds like it's right up my alley. And they may not have parents who, you know, they might say you need to be a lawyer, doctor, all that traditional stuff that automation is going to take care of in the next, you know, couple of decades where our doctors will be robots because we got millions of shortage. We need more. But that's not what they want to do. What type of revenue should they be looking at if they say, okay, I want to, I can solve a problem. I can do this because I find that folks who have done this maybe 20 years and they'll sometimes ask me, like, I don't have always, I don't have the answer. They're like, how do you find high end clients that will pay you those fees? Um, and I say, well, actually I want to go up cause I know someone getting <laughs> triple of what I'm getting. Right. <laughs> I, know right. Some, I know somebody getting over $20,000 a month and, 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 you know, all they're doing is this and that, but what type of revenue should they be looking at? Because like the great Ellen Weiss, um, King consultant, we don't do hourly over here. Um, no, no hourly, no, no hourly. <laughs> we Value don't. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, you know, should, should they be looking at, of course, you can make a six-figure annual salary if you're good. Great, too. But what about per deals? Because, you know, percentages-wise, you know, I don't want to be Elvis's manager, and I don't want any kid to be Elvis's manager where you're taking 50% of what the talent is getting. But, you know, you should get paid a good amount. So what's a good percentage? So because we don't want the IRS. I know you're getting paid in Bitcoin now. So, you know, <laughs> things are, <laughs> things are, are all, all over the place. But what are those percentages that that 14 year old should say, I should be going after these percentages if I'm effective, you know, at yeah, 18, sure. 19? So, um, uh, yeah, this I mean, it's a great question. Um, one is I'm so jealous of the 14 year olds um, and, and not just because they're 14. Um, the television I grew up with has nothing to do with content creation today. And uh, most of the people I, uh, that are, you know, above 30 years old, uh, 40 years old, they're trying to reconcile what they know about television and how content is actually made. Um, one of my uh, good friends is the head of brand integration at Snapchat. And so she has a constant job of trying to figure out how to get people to understand the Snapchat platform as a content platform because they're distributing content and making things all the time. 
And some of the reality is today's content is distraction that like we're in a distraction culture. So we don't really care what channel we're watching. We don't really care what the talent is. We just want it in front of our face and going all the time. Um, that, that mechanism and that device had nothing to do with the career that I got started in. You know, that obviously, you know, okay, boomer, right? I'm already, I, like those days, it was literally distributed to one device. Um, so the problem that, and mechanisms that are available today have so much more opportunity and we're just getting started. It's, it's nearly foolish how far into our infancy this technology is. There's nothing really developed yet. So a 14-year-old today gets, it, gets the opportunity and understanding of what the future is that's just going to grow and boom more and more and more. And where there are some industries that are being disrupted in a horrible way and people trying to find their feet, like you say, like medicine, entertainment is being disrupted in a way that creates more and more opportunity. And here's the trick, right? This is what entertainment's all about. It's about people watching. That's what you're trying to get. So you're trying to get people's eyeballs and attention to go towards your device or your content. Your content is okay. That's the, what's pulling them in. But what really makes the payday is, the, is the, that demographic and the value of that demographic. So if you're pulling in um, 18 to 24 year old men onto, into your platform, then, you, then that demographic has a certain value to brands and advertisers and to product, um, product developers that want that group of people to buy their product and the exchange of the economic uh, of the economy there of, hey, you give me your eyeballs, I'll give you money in return so I can put my product for, um, um, for sale on that same device or that same platform. Now we have an exchange. So that, that's the beginning of it. I believe most people should pursue you know, a, a demographic that they understand. So that's esports or, you know, women that ride on horses or, um, you know, um, I don't know, runners or, you know, some kind of uh, house flipping mechanism, whatever that is, all of that is available because there's money to be exchanged and there's product to be exchanged. And if you understand the demographic and know it, you could probably, now you know the who and the market that you're pitching to, and then you can figure out what they need to create that exchange. Um, so a 14 year old today, because there is no threshold to make content, they can just turn on their camera and start making something. The question is, is what are you gonna talk about? And what voice are you gonna have? And who are you appealing to? And what are those people looking for? So you know what you're, what you're pitching, uh, what the idea is and how you keep those eyeballs. And then just like you and I, what's the value of that? Because I don't, I mean, I'll take, I'll take 5% of, of one deal and I'll take 90% of another deal because the value that I'm bringing into the equation has its intention and purpose and the energy I have to put into it or experience that I've already lived out that I'm bringing to the game has a value proposition in that also. So the ability to create value and then know your place and, and know where you're going to fall within that, that's what we're looking to do. Um, but to start off, I'd say like, look, I, I, I was giving away money to start, right? Mm -hmm. To start my consultancy, you know, to get started is the, is the purpose. Um, don't sign long-term contracts, right? Don't, don't be like, uh, like Elvis and get stuck into something. That's totally foolish. But to give something away for a few years, heck yeah, that's part of your education.
It's better than paying, you know, a college to, to learn that same thing. So give it away. Understand what this world is about and then start realizing where that value is generated and what your ability is. And that's, that's where you start winning in all this game. It doesn't matter if you're making music or a TV show or honestly just a website, a piece of technology, an app, anything that you're creating and hitting that need. There's, if, if, there's a, if a market's going to gain from it, you deserve to get paid for, from that market. Okay. And, and you guys heard, you guys going to have to get a session to find out how that 90%, because I, the value that in the time is invaluable, you know, to make a client $30,000 and you don't get anything is unfair. Um, yeah. But we've seen one thing I always think of. Um, but, I say, but Kellen, that's what an internship is, right? I mean, sure. We're willing to be interns for certain companies, mm -hmm. right? You're getting zero. Yeah, but that education is huge. So um, that's a ninety ten exchange uh, going against you because like, but what the heck? It's it's ninety percent experience, ten percent cash or whatever. Yeah. Awesome. But the other oh, person's yeah. like ten ninety percent cash, ten percent uh, inexperience being pulled into it. I, I get it. I'm I'm the after grad school you know interned on the hill and was like I am just so broke running from Chicago to here and there just to, so I can intern for free so I won't yeah. be lumped in this box of only entertainment and all that's all you can do and blah blah yeah. blah let me ask you coming out of the um the ministry what stopped you from just saying hey you know what I'm gonna do TV, but I'm going to do like pure flicks and, you know, I'm going to hit up David A.R. White and make sure, you know, the faith-based <laughs> stuff. And because, and I say that because in my <laughs> hardest time so far in life, I, when I got into the faith-based, I wrote a book on the industry only because the people I think who should have wrote it told me, Kellen, these folks don't read in, in entertainment. And he's uh, like, the talent doesn't read. So to we're doing a movie that never has come out. I'd love to get the rights to that. But sure. what stopped you just from kind of being in a box saying, you know, I'm going to have this kind of holy than thou thing. And I'm going to make sure the uh, Christian industry is just booming. Sure. Or, or did you go that way? Well, so, uh, you know, you're going to get, I'll, I'll get, uh, get my conversion story a little bit here. But it, really, I'm, a, I'm an adult convert into Christianity. So I was 31 years old when I became a Christian. And it's a very, like, Damascus, ex, you know, on the road to Damascus experience. It, it was it's sitting in a parking lot and simply just asking, okay, God, if you're real, show yourself to me. I mean, it was, it was like a lightning strike. And in that moment, my entire worldview changed. Um, from inside and out. And the thought of like the idea of born again or having something new inside of you that had, uh, that came to life in that moment, that's absolutely what happened to me. Um, so I had a very pure kind of reawakening in life and wanted to do something with it. Um, so to think that I, the idea of Christian entertainment, the way it's presented or, you know, that genre is presented, didn't cross my mind? Absolutely. Because th that pure person that you become and that thoughtful person that you become and that genuine person become and really that childlike person you become um, had a lot of need for that. Um, but in reality, like there's this thing called maturity. And in, in the mature space, you realize that the dialogue with the world is really how the gospel gets out there. So if you're not willing to go into the world, like in the world, not of the world, right? Go into the world and begin a real genuine dialogue, then you're going to avoid distributing and having other people understand the gospel as you know it. 
So that maturity is really what kind of built up in me through going to seminary, doing um, pastoral work, doing my college ministry. All of that is coming to a reality of getting that harder, stronger um, mechanism inside of me that's okay with that dialogue. Um, but then in reality, like, it sucks. You know, I, I was 31-year-old in the entertainment industry, and that stuff, I would never have watched it. So it's mostly ineffective. Um, and if it's ineffective, I don't, uh, why would I go towards that if I have a certain capability? So part of my conversion, what I realized was when I was converted, some things that, that were true about me totally disappeared. They weren't true about me anymore. But other things that were true about me stayed. And I thought if God is doing something in my life and he's leaving these pieces behind, they must be, that must be part of who I am that he wants to keep. And that entertainment underst industry understanding, the people that, I, that I've known, that initial desire I had, a, had as a kid sticking with me, I didn't need to ditch who I was in life. I just needed to ditch what my purpose was in life and to go out into the world with a different purpose of gratitude, love, understanding, forgiveness, grace, and really truly being about the good news of what God does and how it works can be, I can act that out as I'm caring for the people that I love and take care of. My, I do not have Christian clients. It's not the, like Rev D doesn't say, hey, Christians only, not at all. Um, I deal with people of all walks of life. I deal with real life issues. I help alongside. I myself am still a fool um, and have to deal with the, you know, maturing myself and making myself stronger. But that dialogue I want to have with the world is and can have with the world is really what I'm in pursuit of. So that's why I don't just stick to that. Um, but I'll tell you, at one point, I, I, there was a man that lived next to me here in Oregon, and he was making um, a great film. It was it had Christian undertones. Um, it, it's awesome. And to, to work alongside him and help him put some marketing together and, and deal with some creative issues the film had was really exciting. And I love being around it. And there's no lack of love for that genre as well. Um, so I, I think I answered the question, but there's definitely like in the life's journeys, you, you kind of make the decisions. And my hope for people, if it's in your career or in your faith, is maturity, right? You got to get off the mother's milk and start eating the meat. And you got to get out in the real world and have that dialogue and not be afraid of it. And if you have strong understanding of conviction, it's not going to go away. No one's going to hijack it from us. Let me ask you this. And I hear it. I can hear the, 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 the real holy rollers say it was that movie seven that turned him to go to God because that movie was such <laughs> a, you know, it was so, some say demonic, some say this. That movie was demonic. Yeah, no, yeah. no, that movie made me, maybe it's the beginning of God pursuing me, but that movie made me very, very successful. That was the movie <laughs> that made me be as far away from God as possible because I had all the worldly success we needed. I mean, we were, we were way too busy. I was working with, you know, from that, I worked with the, some of the world's hottest filmmakers, uh, Robert Redford, Steven Spielberg, Tony Scott, Ridley Scott, uh, uh, Clint Eastwood. I mean, I was in the room. I was watching last night. We watched The Mask of Zorro with my family. I, I, was, I made that movie with them. I made the opening credit sequence with, with uh, um, Martin Campbell. Awesome. So, you know, I was in it. I was having fun. Um, I think what it was is, 
um, when I would go home to my wife is what led me to God because it wasn't really satisfying my life goals. It was simply just satisfying my career goals. Um, and today, you know, I, I kind of hit on it, but the, today the, the format I have of my career and, and what I believe other people's creative careers in these, in, four, in these four stages is the one where the first stages, we just give things up. We call it the artist stage, but we simply do the work and, and we just give it up where we exercise our artistic ability in exchange for time and money, right? That's how we all get started. Um, then I say we move into the auteur stage and an on, auteur on a, on a is where other people do the work, but you get credit for it. Um, so the example I use is a Steven Spielberg film. Um, Spielberg is one person and there are hundreds of people that worked on that film. But there's a, a, like a part of your career that you can get into where you're recognized for what you brought together and you get the individual attention for it. Um, and most of us believe that is the creative career, going from artist to auteur. And if we can, by the way, that's a great, that's, those are two great career steps. Um, but the third stage for me is one where you, the things like what RevThink does is we start breaking things because the third stage is where you actually start giving back. So I call it the curator stage. And the curator is like a, a gallery, an art gallery owner where their name is on the door, but when you walk in the room, it's other people's names that they're promoting. And their whole job is to build up that community of artists and keep them going and helping them in their exchange. And you're still a creative person because you are curating what's on the wall. You understand good things and your artistic ability approaches. But unlike an auteur, you're sharing that experience with others. You come alongside and you build them up. And now you're starting to flip those percentages, right, Kelly? And now you're not making the 90% and giving away the 10. You're making the 10% and giving the 90 to the artist, but at such a greater scale. Yes. Um, the yes. fourth stage is the, the stage I call the collector stage. And the fourth stage kind of turns everything upside down. Because in that fourth stage, a collector is a person that goes to an, an auction, buys a piece of art for a million dollars, and then hangs it on the museum for free. Mm -hmm. Right? The first three stages, there's a cash addiction. It's all about the exchange and value. And the fourth one, it doesn't make any sense at all. They, they just simply collect things and own things. But what they've done, the collector, is actually they've collected throughout all the years all this value. And in doing that one act, all the things they've collected then rise up. So imagine someone collecting a certain artist, going to an auction, paying a million dollars for that artist. Now, anyone that owns that artist's art, their whole value goes up. And that work of influence throughout a career or throughout a lifetime or throughout a, a long, long field allows you to create larger and larger value with smaller and smaller actions. And I think if we're gonna leave our careers successfully, we have to be thinking and building our collectors part of us. We can't just be an artist and give and take in hours. And we can't be just an auteur where we kind of just take all the rewards and don't ever give it back. We have to start living in community and building it up. But the last stage I like to say, you know, all ships rise and fall with the same tide. It's one thing to be a ship, it's the other to be the tide. Hmm. And that last stage is, is where are you contributing something back to the industry as a whole? What are you giving forward? And that can be in format creation, invention, ideas, thoughts, simply in building a platform like the folks at Nappy, 
they made a huge platform that other people get to step onto and create an exchange and value for their personal life. And they just, I mean, they're collecting pennies compared to the millions and millions of dollars that happen on the nappy floor. But that opportunity and to build some up an influence is a big part of what we're all trying to achieve in our career. Um, again, like I, I could, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm a trained minister, Kellen. You want me to keep on going? Um, but that's like, to me, that those are the things that inspire me and what I want people to know about what their career is. Um, I want them to understand that part when they're making television content. Um, I want them to know that part when they're hiring an employee into their production company. And simply when you're asking for a job, you need to understand what your, your position is and job is by accepting a position and making sure you're contributing to the bigger cause as you work every day. That's what we all want to do. It satisfies us. And that's all what we're looking for when we're looking for partners and employees, partnerships and investors. Now, I, I, I could do this all day. So I'm Me gonna, too, man. I'm going I'm I'm <laughs> to ask. format? How long does this go? Yeah, yeah well, thank, you know, thank God that we can control what we, you know, and put out what we need to put out. But I also want the people to reach back um, and, and ask more questions as a professional. But I'd like to know, because we don't like to just get the game. We like to give it. But I want to know. Are you going to VidCon or what other conferences can people catch your, you at um, outside yeah. of your own events? Because I think like VidCon is something that, you know, there's so all these creators, especially young kids, sometimes their parents are with them. And I know I'm going this year, my clients go all the time, but um, again, I'm, I'm a little more free. So I'm able to fly and do what I need to do. But VidCon, is that something you're going to do? Met, what other conferences will you do? Man, if you're inviting me to MIP, I'll go. I'll go to Cannes with you any day. <laughs> MIPCon, that's awesome. Um, uh, I think the, some of the reality of where we are with our consultancy is most of the conferences we go to, we're invited to. Um, mm. So Nappy, we have a partnership with them. Um, we're invited into that. We provide content for them, and we have some collaboration with who they are and what they're about. And that's pretty common with the conferences we go to. Um, you know, um, Nappy is the one we do in television content. There's one in June called Promax BDA, and that's for graphic designers and artists, um, television promotion people. Um, and we've, over the years, have some partnerships with them and done some programs with them. So that's a common one. That's in Los Angeles. Um, Joel and I, in, in the fall, we went to Digital Design Days in Milan. So we can, we'll even be seen in Europe and, and doing things on a, on a, within a platform there. Um, my partner, Joel, uh, went to the Bend Design Conference here in Bend, Oregon, and did two different sessions for them, teaching people about how to position yourself, get into the marketplace, sell your goods. So we contribute a lot into different um, different markets um, because mostly we're pursuing the creative career. So I, I won't go to VidCon because that's just another television conference, and I don't mean it's just another one, but um, that's only one of the the places that we meet people and do work in. Um, but we do a lot of conferences throughout the year. Uh, an easy place to kind of find out all of our information is revthink.com. Um, if you go to revthink.com slash start, you can sign up and be part of our mailing list. Joel does a really excellent job of, of, uh, of his email platform and what he's capable of doing with that email platform. It's really well received and high in dialogue and dealing with um, a lot of issues. Um, we do webinars. Um, 
so there's a, there's a lot of outreach that we're um, able to do and capable of doing in kind of today's world. Um, but also, like, you can just email us. <laughs> you know, like, you don't have to go to a conference to find us. You just go to repthing.com, find us, and start asking us questions. But, Kellen, you and I, like, do you ever do a live one of these? You know, I haven't yet, and there, there's no reason why not. It's just um, this is probably the most convenient while kids are still asleep before daddy, you know, rings the, the bell and says, have we done everything we need to do on the checklist? But um, <laughs> I have not done the live yet, and I don't mind live because I've, I've done radio, and, and radio is yeah. live, and, you know, I, we don't edit anything, um, you know, unless you start, you know, sneezing and say, hey, could you – I got boogers all over. Could you, you yeah, know, yeah. Knock it out? but I don't edit anybody's words. Cause I just want it to be a, a conversation that people can understand. And, and I say the conference is just so they could learn and, and see where you're yeah. going, but also, you know, you mentioned your books behind you. Give us a couple of titles of what you're listening to. And then I'm going to ask my finale question, but I, I'd sure. love to know what you're, what you're reading. Um, most of the books that I read are, are kind of le- about um, um, like the thought process. Um, I'm really interested in like how we make decisions, where, where our thoughts come from, how to build people up, how to educate ourselves. Um, the latest book I'm reading is this one, Principles, which uh, it's a pretty thick book. Um, but it's just this guy, Ray D- uh, D- Dalio. Yeah. Dalio. Um, he lived his life by principles and by practicing those principles and all of his decision-making, he was capable of building himself into a large, like a, uh, a pretty successful career as an investor. Um, but I also just do things like the compound effect. Uh, and these are like literally sitting on my desk. You see, I'm reading them as I go along. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's just like idea of like how money works, how, how thought works, where success comes from, where career comes from. Um, a lot of people that I work with and support are people that are doing a day job running a company and they don't know how to get out of it. So I really think of myself as learning on their behalf so I understand big principles and ideas and then grow things. But uh, I mean, how do, you, how do you not kind of like get into, um, um, yeah, I have, all the, I have all, the, all the, you know, the ones that you buy at the airport bookshop. Like these yeah. are very, very simple people. Um, I love eat people, by the way, if you're, a, if you're a young person and you want to understand about the world about economics, you have to read this book. This is the entertainment industry. Um, the idea of eat people is, is there used to be hundreds of people involved in a pipeline to get a project done. And now you can do it with your iPhone. So what, what happened to those 99 people that used to be on set and you're doing it by yourself? Where did they go? The technology is basically eating people. It's replacing people. Um, well, that's something you can leverage and grow in your career. So as you think about moving through life, you're thinking about like, what is it that is um, this, the one thing that doesn't go away opposed to the stuff that can be replaced. And then what you and I know, Kellen, is it's the creative part. Creativity can't be uh, manufactured from a computer program, even though they try. So to me, like the, all the education I kind of put around me or the books I put around me are just thinking through the thoughts and challenges that I, that I might face, but also what my clients might face. And I just absorb those thoughts. So I have some reference and when I'm consulting and sharing and explaining things, I have some ideas of how to get those ideas out of me and references I can go to. No, that, that's awesome. Um, my bookshelf, which sometimes I film 
on the east wing of the house, um, you know, is people say, why do you have a book on solar kilns? And I'm like, because oh, my yeah. father-in-law is retired. He's big into construction and there's enough sun out there, but there's, he's from, you know, West Africa. There's not enough uh, electricity always. So we need something and there's no, you know, there's none of these in his part of the country. So that's you know, that's why we, I have that. Why do you have this on clinic? So I just love to know oh, yeah. what people are reading. Oh, I can. I, yeah. Yeah. It gets pretty random. I can tell you. <laughs> this one, it's like a, a, tra a parallel translation of the New Testament in Greek and English. So that's living on the same bookshelf next to, uh, you know, do hard things or whatever. So, uh, yeah, it's, I got it. I got it all. <laughs> yeah. And this is just a small one. I'm like, you're like, this is, this is just for camera. The, the world I have books I have out there. My wife, I think God uh, wants me to get rid of plenty of them. No, no, that's going to be, um, it's, I, I have my kids watch the old black and white twilight zone. They've pretty much seen every season oh, yeah. and, and, and that, and they're nine and six and they're like, yeah. why do we have to watch? It looks old. I say, because look how this is obsolete. Now you watch this show, you know, this is, look how this old people are trying to become young. That's the whole Kardashian family and everybody else on VH1 and it's all come to, to it's play. all the same. Yeah. Stop fooling yourself. It's all the same. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and so I want to, I want my, my final question. And again, folks, we could do this all day. I, if Tim, if he has anything ever he wants to talk about, but I'm probably going to bother him in the future, but right. I'd like to know, and you've talked about so many, but we ask all of our guests, what is your community give back that you're doing or that you want to do in the future? Yeah, that's excellent. Um, it's a, that's a big part of RevThink. Um, clearly where we started from is to support a community and build them up. So along the way, and, and by the way, by doing that, it's not, um, it comes back to us. So it's not sim simply philanthropy in that way. Um, but what we realized early on is that the business owners hoard their thoughts. They're so afraid that someone's going to steal their idea that they hold it back. And they say, well, if I share my idea with you, how you want to know you're not going to steal it? And then reality, like, if you don't share the idea, how are we ever going to make it, get it made, right? Yeah. So it's the thought of like breaking out and getting out there and starting the, the community conversation. Well, the same thing happens with business owners. They don't want to share their problems, their issues, their employment uh, contracts. They don't want to share issues that they have with clients or the projects that they're working on. They're so afraid. And I have a reason for why they're afraid. Um, so one of the big things that we do is we have this thing called cohort dinners and cohort dinners is really like, it's, we simply just pick a, a place in time and then the people of the community are invited and they come to the dinner and that dinner, we can do everything from tackle one subject and have a conversation with everyone. We can have a guest speaker that um, people are able to interact with and have conversations with, or we simply just um, tear down the walls and let people meet each other and have conversations they would have never had without those, without those opportunities. And that that cohort dinner is coming becoming somewhat viral. Like it's not just um, it's not just RevThink putting them on anymore. We're hearing people like, well, it was such a good idea. We decided to have a cohort down here in Brazil. And we're like, wait a second. <laughs> okay, that's great. You guys keep on going. Or um, I, a, a friend of ours in London, he basically started a users group of, of folks, same intention. He goes like, we just need to get together because we are so afraid of each other. Um, so us, it's the building up of community so, so that they can exchange value from one another. And we, RevThink, we just pay our way. 
like we're not, we don't make money doing that. We simply just want the community to grow, right? We want the ability of people to exchange thoughts and ideas. And that, like we say, like it's a pursuit of career maturity. Get yourself out there, understand more and express yourself in greater ways. That's how we're going to survive this career. And by giving back as you, as you grow, it's a total necessity. You must, must pump good stuff into the pipeline behind you. Um, you can't just decimate it like a, like, a cock, like a cockroach or a locust. Just take it all and run with it. Um, there's no way. You, you won't have a career at all if you, if you go that way. Well, I appreciate your time. You guys have definitely got the game. Go back, listen to this. You can even go watch it because our podcast is more popular than the YouTube, but you can go back and watch it so you can say, I need to hear that again because this is going to save you a lot of time, which will save you a lot of money. Tim has given you some things that just are jewels and valuable. So make sure if you are serious and you think you're ready, they have so much on their beautiful RevThink.com website. Check it yeah. out. And our podcast, Rev Thinking. If you want to listen to Joel, have conversations with other creative entrepreneurs. Um, I jump out there every once in a while. We discuss problems that are happening in the industry. Rev Thinking is a great place to listen to other people's stories um, and to relate to where you are in your creative career. I, I love that. I, as you do too, the podcast format is so great to hear other voices and, and to um you know, co-mingle is awesome. So Rev Thinking is the, is the name of our podcast. I saw that on the site you and, and I'm glad you mentioned it. I didn't see merchandise and you guys have a great name for merchandise. <laughs> I, I could see so many, you know, former leaders and, you know, you it could be silhouettes where, you know, oh, that's Shea Guevara, but it says Rev Think or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, <laughs> and, and, and yeah. I, as you can see, I love, merchandise um, yeah, yeah. You, can have, yeah. you know we have a we have a friend named chris doe and his podcast the future is is really great he has a lot of good followers early entrepreneurs or early career people on his and uh he he does a great job of distribution of merchandise and and platforms and and product out there he just does such a good job and he encourages us all the time like dude you guys gotta make these things and distribute them and make them for sale and we hear it um I think there's a part of Joel and I that we like to live in the freedom stage of our career. So to not have to make deliverables is a, is an exciting part of us. We just want to be out there in conversation. So if we don't get paid for some of the effort we're doing, we're okay with that. Um, but if anybody wants to make their own RevThink t-shirt and uh, send it to us, I would love to wear it. I'd be happy to wear it. Okay. Okay. And in the pot, I mean, the, the merchandise, you know, everyone's doing drop ship unless you're doing, you know, Joe Rogan type numbers and he can yeah. pay someone full time to send that out. And I don't know if he does that or not, but with the podcasting and, you know, platforms like anchor.fm that Spotify just bought that pays you day one. I think everyone should podcast. My wife and, ha and I have an anonymous one where we can just nicely discuss. Some say debate, some say argue. And it's <laughs> anonymous and we can just talk. And it's like, I've seen, oh, wait, somebody will listen and we can get paid with no minimum subscription on an anchor.fm and it goes everywhere. Okay. And iTunes is our biggest, you know, platform where people hear us. So yes, I just, I love it because we need to, my hashtag is like monetize your life. Cause I'm thinking about when I'm 70, what could I be doing? Well, I can fly my drone by the water, wherever <laughs> I'm at <laughs> and I can podcast. <laughs>
I love it. I think you need to become my manager, Kellen. You... I'm, I'm open. Hey, <laughs> I, I'm always open. We're definitely staying in contact. I'm one of those guys you can just. And you're Seattle, right? I'm in Seattle. We're going to yeah. move to Florida in July. Oh, you are? Okay. Yeah, Because I'm in Oregon, you know. We're just neighbors here in, this, in the Pacific Northwest. We are. You're feeling the rain that we've had for the last two to three weeks. Yeah, thanks for that. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then go to Miami and it's 55 degrees. And you're God. like, did I bring the clouds oh, with me? No, we'll, we'll definitely stay in contact. You guys have gotten the game. I want you to be blessed. And let us know. Like, share, subscribe. Thank you, Tim, for coming on. That was awesome. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, Tyson, and AL. The number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit DiversifiedGame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.